Hey, hey there. What's up, happy innovators? How are y'all doing, huh? You hanging in there? You doing good? I hope so. You know, a while ago, long time ago, right around the time, uh, right after the time, really, where I stopped playing live as a drummer, uh, which was a while ago now, probably about 20 years ago now, actually, um, I had the urge to try my hand at acting, you know, theater, acting on stage in a play, um, because I'd always kind of wondered what it would be like. And I always kind of thought that if I had a chance to try, like I might actually do pretty good at it. Okay. And, uh, as it turned out, I, I actually did. I, I was able to memorize my lines pretty well, you know, I was able to do it. And, um, you know, a lot of the people around me in this play had been in several other plays, you know, and uh, more than a few of them had kind of commented to me that, you know, I might have a, like a little bit of a knack for acting. I might actually be pretty good at it. And I wasn't really surprised. I always thought I could do it, you know, but uh, the reason that I'm bringing it up is because really, um, although I learned a lot of different things from that experience, the one thing that I really learned the most and the one thing that really kind of stuck with me after I gave that a try was how difficult it is to be a really good actor, you know, like I was able to pull it off. I was able to act. I was able to do it. But to be like a really great actor, it's very, very difficult to do. And most people probably can't do it. Okay. It's probably one of those things where it's like, what is it? Like a, a fifth of the human population can hit a major league fastball, you know? Well, that's kind of what I think acting might be like. You know, like really good acting, like really, really good acting, like Daniel Day Lewis level acting, you know. Um, and I'm bringing it up because, it, you know, it's this recurring thought that I have because, you know, I find myself nowadays when I'm watching television, I think a lot of the time what I'm watching is actually staged and, and not real, okay? And I'm watching people who are acting, okay? But they're not good actors. Like, they don't know how to act. They're not really good at it. They think that just anybody can do it. So they get up in front of the camera and they're doing their thing. They're working their con or whatever they're doing. And it's really kind of, you know, wonky acting. You know, there's, it's easy to see through that this is not real, you know, but they think they're doing great. You know, they think they've got you fooled, you know, and lately when I watch like the news or something like that, I just kind of get this feeling like, you know, like, like I'm being conned, you know, like when I, I don't know if you've ever had a situation like this, but I most definitely have where I have two people in front of me, okay, and they're engaging me, and they're acting like they don't know each other, but they really do, but they don't realize that I can tell that they're lying, that they're not really strangers, and they're trying to, you know, pull one over on me. You know, they're trying to fool me into thinking that they don't know each other for one reason or another. Maybe they want something from me or whatever. They're trying to gauge my reaction or get a reaction. And why that is, I don't know, but that's just how it goes sometimes with me um, when I run into people. And not a lot, obviously, but sometimes. And I just kind of wonder sometimes when I'm watching the news right now, I get that sense. Like, it's a three-card Monty, you know? Like, you have these two opposing sides that are presenting themselves this certain way where they hate each other or something. But something is kind of telling me that something's not right. You know? It, it, it's there, the, There's a lot of holes in this performance I'm watching. And it's not 
really clear exactly what they're trying to do or what they're trying to achieve. But it's clear to me, at least, that something isn't right. Like, I'm watching this thing play out in front of me. Uh, What? Blue states, red states kind of thing. But I just get the sense that what I'm watching is bullshit. Like, absolutely every bit of it is fake. And that's weird. You know, like, if that were the case, that would be really weird. But then it poses, like, an even larger question, okay? Which is, what's really going on then? Like, what? what is the end that they're trying to achieve here? I'm not quite sure, you know? Um, but I find myself in that space. Not so much in the beginning, because, you know, when this whole, you know, the COVID thing started and... Uh, the election, uh, all that stuff, you know, the, what, the, the, uh, the election fraud claims and like all that kind of stuff about, oh, about a year ago now. Um, I'm not sure, you know, I, I, I wasn't sure what was going on, really. Um, there was a lot of confusion, but I noticed that there was this faction of people that were popping up that were like on the far right and they were kind of saying things like there's a coup d'etat there's a secret you know there there are secret maneuvers taking place to reinstall Donald Trump as president and there was this group of people around them okay like cheering them on and you know having this sense of hope like they really believed this Okay, and I suppose like, um, like that's not entirely something that I wouldn't believe. Like I, I don't know, you know, I don't know what is really going on. So, you know, someone brings something like that up, and I'll listen to what they're saying, and you know, do my best to discern what's true and what's not, obviously. But, um, you know, I, I needed time to go by. A little bit before I could really deduce what was happening, or at least what I could see was happening, or come up with some idea. It wasn't enough to like get this kind of thing early on and make my conclusions. I couldn't do that because I didn't know. And you know, at the same time, all that stuff was going on. You have the stuff on the far left, like in Portland, and all the stuff going on. The statues being torn down. Uh, riots and all that stuff. So I'm kind of like, I don't know. I, I I don't know. What am I seeing? What is this? I don't I don't know. But it didn't take too long for me to kind of arrive at the conclusion that whatever is going on here, it's probably not what we're seeing, like on TV or like on YouTube or something. It's probably not what we're being shown. Okay. There's something else afoot, but that doesn't matter because people still believe it. And, you know, I can't say that I don't either. I don't know for sure what is really going on. I just get the sense that I'm watching these you know, two players in front of me that are acting like they're at odds with each other, but they're not really great actors. So they don't realize that it's transparent and you can kind of see through the acts a little bit, especially after enough time goes by. So now I find myself in the situation where I'm sitting back, kind of scratching my chin a little bit and thinking, what in the hell is going on here? Now, what is really going on here? Like, if this is all BS, let's imagine for a second, okay, that all the stuff that we're watching on television right now or on YouTube or whatever... You know, Democrats, Republicans, uh, stolen election, COVID, Dr. Fauci, all of it, all of that stuff. China, uh, what, the cargo ships off the shore, uh, the break in the supply chain, you know, um, Christmas is ruined for everyone in America. They're trying to have a communist takeover of our country, razor wire around the White House or whatever the hell is going on. It's like... It's a show. It's a show. 
So I'm not quite sure what to trust, you know? I'm watching, like, even somebody like Donald Trump. And, you know, let's not forget that this guy was, like, killing it in the ratings when he was on that show. What was it? The Apprentice or whatever. This is this is a guy who has a handle on acting, you know? And probably, you know, probably a better handle on it than most other people realize. And he's probably like a better actor than anybody that he's around, you know? Um, but I don't know. I see this stuff with Joe Biden falling asleep at that UN summit or wherever it was. And it's like, what is this? Like, what? What? The president of the United States fell asleep at like some kind of major, you know, international summit of some kind, whatever it was. You know, that doesn't make any sense to me. That's weird. It's too much. It's over the top. You know, it's bad acting. It, it, like what? What a what a weird narrative to push or like you know, he's being interviewed by Anderson Cooper and he's like standing there with his hands in front of him. So you know people are like, "Oh, he's got like, you know, dementia or oh, he's like suffering mentally somehow or whatever." And it's like really? Like you guys really think that? You really think that? Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I could be. I'm not claiming that I know for sure. I certainly don't. There's no way I could. But I'm standing back like, what? what is this? What is this? This is not... Uh, this is not normal. Like, whatever this is, it's not what we're being told it is. Like, this is something else. That's how I feel. Like, I'm being conned. Like, I'm watching two people that are playing off of each other, you know, like opposing sides. And uh, I don't know. It's so strange. Maybe you disagree with me, you know, maybe you could prove me wrong. I, I don't know. Go ahead. You know, I don't, I don't care. I just, I'm scratching my head. I, I'm, I'm standing back. I'm watching these events play out and I'm kind of getting a little worried, you know, like what is really, really going on here in America like what is this you know like somebody said once a long time ago I always remembered it but I don't I don't remember who said it okay but they said something like and of course I'm paraphrasing they said when fascism comes to America it will be wrapped in a flag and carrying a cross that's what they said okay when fascism comes to America, it'll be wrapped in a flag and carrying a cross. And I, I just remembered that. Like, what a strange thing to say. You know? What a, what a weird thing to think about. Let me think about that, you know? This idea of fascism finding its way into America. American culture. You know? American society. And what would that really look like, you know? Um, I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that I'm confused right now. And I'm standing back and I'm watching, you know, um, events and behaviors that are really kind of weird. And they're really, like, over the top. Everything is over the top. Like, when somebody is not a very good actor, that's what they do. They overact. You know, they have a tendency to overdo it because they don't have the kind of discipline and control over their craft to, like, make it seem real. You know, they're not, they're not good enough to do that. It's difficult to be that good. You know, it's difficult to be able to act really, really well. So when I see these things playing out and they're so over the top and overdone and ridiculous, you know, it's like ridiculous. It's like somebody who's very stupid and doesn't know 
anything about acting and how to portray something, like they don't, like they are not, they they can't, they, they are incapable of pulling it off. You know, it's not just something anybody can do. You know, like one of the people that comes to mind that I thought was really weird and over the top was that one girl, I think she was like a, that one lady, okay, lady, not a girl, it's a lady. She was like a secretary or something during the election fraud thing. And she showed up and she had glasses and blonde hair. I forget her name. But when I saw her testifying or whatever, I thought to myself, like, what the hell is this? Like, who who is she? And like, what? This is ridiculous. This woman is like a character. Like, if you were to write a sitcom, she's like a character on a sitcom. She's not like a real person or something. You know, she's not even presenting that way. You know? And I don't know. I'm not saying she was fake or... I don't know. I'm not saying that she wasn't speaking the truth or something. Or, you know, that she wasn't legitimate. But dollars to donuts... Uh, I think she was an actress and that's weird. Like, okay, if she is an actress, if there's all this kind of like bullshit and acting going on on both sides of the aisle, like even in like Congress and the Senate and the House of Representatives, I mean, we're talking everybody, almost everybody. Like, if they're all playing the game, whatever the game is, well, that's strange, isn't it? That's really creepy. And if that is the case, then what is really going on behind the curtain, you know? Is it something that we really need to be afraid of? And, you know, that's a a strange question to ask. But that's kind of like where I'm at right now. I'm not making the claim that I think anybody is lying, okay? Because I don't know if anybody is lying. I don't know. But I do know when I'm watching something and it's bullshit, okay? I I have a bullshit detector that's probably a little more advanced than most other people realize, okay? Um, Just from years and years of being me, okay? And I'm usually right. I'm not always right, but I'm usually right. You know, and to me, I don't know. Something smells funny in Denmark. You know what I mean? There's something weird afoot here. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the end game is. Okay? But I guess we're going to find out eventually. Um, what I do know, okay is that a lot of people around me are afraid. A lot of people are afraid right now. Um, I think a lot of people are afraid that something really bad is happening in America right now. And um, we're all kind of waiting for the big reveal, you know, of what it will be. And uh, man, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. So, oh, man, you know, sorry to bring you down if I did. It's not my intention at all, okay? But this stuff is on my mind, and this is is the stuff that makes me want to grab the microphone and just start talking and at least put it out there into the ether that, you know, this uh, this other idea, maybe, you know? But um, anyway, anyway, anyway. What I really wanted to talk about today was my Honest Wave experiment number 33, okay, my 33-hour song, and I wanted to talk a little bit about this idea of the Honest Wave music. I've tried to talk about it before. I've tried to make it clear, you know, as clear as I could to some people. I don't think that I'm very good at doing that sometimes, so... I'm going to try to explain things again, okay, a little bit for you. Um, You know, because uh, 
a lot of the time, I think that people who don't know me very well, who are on the outside, they don't really know really what motivates all that kind of stuff and what motivated it in the first place. Like, um, I get comments all the time about it. Like, people people don't realize, at least from my best judgment, a lot of the people who you know listen to the rise and fall of Bossa Nova or In the Garden or Two Hour Yes or any of those longer Honest Wave compositions that I have, they don't really understand what I'm trying to do or what's actually going on there. You know, what it's about. What it's about. And I guess what I wanted to explain before I explain anything else is that I never, ever uh, intended to break the Guinness World Record. Okay? That was not something that I aspired to do in the beginning. Okay? In the beginning. And it also speaks to this idea that I think about from time to time. Um about when you have like an idea when you're a person who is doing something creatively and you have an idea okay um and you start to kind of like let that idea play out a little bit and then before you even get to the end of the experiment you stop and you put it down because you feel for one reason or another it's not good enough to continue with okay um, one thing that I have learned, okay, through experience is that it's always better, okay, when you have an idea, it's always better to see the initial idea all the way through, okay? Like, don't stop. Even if it seems like it's worthless or pointless or it doesn't sound good or it doesn't look good, you know, it's not coming out the way you think it should remember that you're only halfway through you need to finish the process and then make the decision is it good or is it bad or should I chuck it or should I use it or whatever and I think that when I talk about honest wave it's a prime example of that okay because in the beginning a long time ago back in like 2004 okay I had the the curiosity, the question of like, what would it be like if a song were very long? Okay, I guess maybe it's a throwback idea to that song In Agata De Vida by Iron Butterfly. Like when I was a little kid, my big brother had that record. Okay, and it was like one of the coolest things in the world that you had, you know, maybe five or six songs on one side of this record. Vinyl, you know, vinyl. And then when you flipped it over, the second side, the B side, was all one song. And, of course, as a little kid, I listened to it. I would stare at the album cover. I mean, it was just, to me, so fascinating that a song could be like that weird. And, like, what is that like and what does that mean? You know, I think it was like a half an hour long or something, or maybe, maybe it was like 15 minutes long. I, I forget now, believe it or not. I actually forgot how long in Agata Davida is. But um, the point is, is that I think that when I started to record myself at home, or actually even before that, when I was recording in recording studios back in Cleveland, like one of the questions I had for the engineers that I was paying to record me was like, what happens if, you know, we go very far out with this song? Like we, we make it really long, you know, what would happen? How does that work? And they never really seemed to know, like no one ever really bothered or no one ever really cared to ask that question. You know, they were so busy making three minute radio hits that you know, that's what it was all about. It wasn't about anything really experimental. Now, when I got the opportunity to record in my house, okay, on my own time, for free, unlimited recording time, okay, I was still, in the beginning, limited to the length of a cassette tape because that's what I was recording on 
at first. I had a Tascam cassette, a four-track cassette recorder, and that was my first experience recording myself, you know, uh, in my in my own space and at my own pace in my own time. All right, and that was cool for a while, but you know, I was limited to the length of a cassette. And then when I started to record digitally, now the gloves came off and, you know, I was off to the races, man, you know, I could do whatever I wanted. So naturally, you know, after a little bit of time learning how to record myself digitally, um, you know, I started to ask that question again, like what would happen if, you know, I went, you know, let's say the average song is three to five minutes long. What would happen if I made a song that was eight minutes long? Okay. And I think that, you know, maybe dream on, you know, was one of those. Um, it's, oh, I forget offhand right now, the ones that I was kind of messing with. But I remember in the beginning that, you know, I had like Dream On and then I had another song called The Water of Fire. I think it was The Water of Fire that really, that was my first real like experiment to go a little bit longer. I think it was maybe nine minutes or 10 minutes long. And then I did um, a song called Try. Uh, and that was, oh man, I want to say it was like 18 minutes maybe. I should have wrote all this stuff down before I started talking. But the point was, is that I was just kind of gradually, you know, just out of curiosity, just for my own uh, sense of adventure or, you know, ch- a challenge to myself. I was going longer and longer with these song ideas. And and then I think what happened was because I posted at that time when I was recording my stuff, I posted pretty much everything I did on the Internet. And I would gauge the response that I got from people and stuff. And it was a lot of fun to do. And when I posted that song Try, which was at that point like the longest you know experiment that I had done uh, the day the like the day that I released it it went crazy okay and it never stopped okay that song just for some reason as soon as it hit it just took off and I saw that you know like whoa hold on like who would have ever imagined okay? that like an 18 minute song or whatever it is would do that well, you know, but it, it did, it did, you know? So then I got the idea. Well, if that is something that works and something that, you know, people actually want to hear, like when my 18 minute song is getting more attention than my three minute or five minute song, then I'm a pragmatist, you know? Okay, maybe what I should do is continue with the experiment and see how far out I can go, right? Like, how extreme can I get with this before people will finally just say, you know what, you know, forget this. This is way too much, you know? Well, what I've learned, like, over the course of time, having been doing this now for, well, you know, well over 10 years now, is that it is that people most is, is that most people really don't have any interest in listening to something that's 18 minutes long or 2 hours long or whatever they're not interested in that but there is a group of people that are and that group of people for whatever reason some of the reasons are different than others but they they like that kind of music they like it it's what they prefer they prefer long duration repetitive pieces of music usually it's because they're working and they want to study and it's like you know uh while it's not a song that you dance to okay it's a song that is providing some kind of soundtrack in your room or whatever while you're studying while you're working that will kind of like provide some kind of sound in the room so it's not completely silent you know 
And the idea probably for most people is to have my music playing while they're working. They turn down very, very quietly, maybe almost barely audible, which is the definition of ambient music. You know, it's music for the room. It's not meant to be in your ear. You know, it's meant to be subtle and in the background of your space or whatever. So that's when I started to really like officially design pieces of music that were very long. And I came up with the idea for two hour. Yes. Like that came from a song called when the wind comes. It was like the intro to when the wind comes. And just one day I decided to loop that part. I've talked about this in podcasts before, which is why I don't understand, you know, why a lot of the time it's misunderstood by a lot of people, but I guess not too many people are aware of all of the stuff I do or whatever. Okay. So they never heard the podcast. They don't know the story and they won't listen to this podcast either, but you are. So I'm going to tell you. Okay. Um, so that's like, that was the origin of the honest wave thing. Like this idea of, you know, making these pieces of music that are really, really outrageously repetitive and outrageously long. You know, actually, I should mention, um, because I've thought about this, you know, I've had a lot of time to think about this. Um, When I was younger, there was a group called Ministry. They're still around. I'm sure that a lot of my happy innovators have probably heard of the band Ministry, you know, Al Jorgensen and Ministry. And I remember that a lot of the people around me when I was younger were listening to ministry. They were like a really popular band with a lot of the people that I knew and not just like the metalheads, and not just the punkers and not just the goth kids and all that. It was like everybody liked ministry all across the board. Okay. And I did too. I thought they were (laughs) extremely brutal music. I mean, just really, really outrageous and, huge sounding, you know, but one thing about ministry that I didn't like, okay, was that the music was industrial music. It was, was repetitive and very abrasive and aggressive and heavy, but it would just repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. And And that's what it was like, you know, it was like just relentless and brutal and, you know, interesting, innovative and creative at the same time. But for me, it was like, after a while, it was like, damn, like, damn, turn that off. You know, it's like, it just is, it's so relentless. It's so repetitive. Like, stop, stop, you know, (laughs) like change, do something else, you know, but they wouldn't. That was the point. That was the, the punishment of listening to ministry. That's what made them famous, you know? So, But I I didn't like that. But I always remembered that. You know, I always remembered that repetitive thing. You know, where it was like they would just take a section of music, like maybe four bars of music, and they would just loop it for five minutes. And, And it was just extremely brutal, you know. Well, when I started to come up with this idea of making honest wave music, okay... I came up with my own name for it so that I would have a way to describe it to people. You know, people say, what kind of music do you play, Mike, when they meet me for the first time? And I'd say, well, it's really long music. And, oh, it's new age. No, not really. I do a little bit of this, so it's not quite new age. Oh, so it's this. No, it's not that. It's it's in between a lot of different things. It's like a combination of a lot of different things that have never been put together before really so I don't have a genre for you so what I'll do is I'll make up one called Honest Wave and here it is and this is what it is and here's the definition for it so if you wonder what kind of music I make I make Honest Wave music and you can go look up the definition I've provided and it'll let you know exactly what I'm doing and that you know like that kind of thing and I started to consciously um 
experiment with the idea of repetition. Okay. Two hour yes was a, a two hour experiment in repetition. But it was very chilled. It wasn't abrasive. It was very calm. You know, it was relaxing. It made people feel good. Some people would fall asleep to it, you know. And, uh, you know, I had this two hour version of this song, you know. And I made it just one day. I made it one day. I took a section and I looped it and it sounded okay. And I played it for my wife and, you know, yeah, it sounds pretty good. You know, it's pretty interesting. And I'm like, yeah, it's two hours long, you know, and uh, I'm going to post it. I'm just going to see, you know, I'm going to put it up on the Internet and just kind of see if anybody will listen to it, if anybody will like it. And sure enough, just like with that song, Try, as soon as I posted it, two hours long, okay, two hours, it just went crazy, you know? Okay, that's cool. What a weird, what a weird discovery, you know, to stumble across. And it could only happen by accident. And it could only happen over the course of, like, a lot of time, you know, just to come up with the idea and the inkling and the energy and the will to make something that's, you know, two hours long, you know, who would have even, who would even think of it? You know, it goes against all the rules, you know, that any producer or studio engineer would tell you. I mean, like, you know, two hours of a repetitious piece of music or whatever, it's not going to work. That's what they would say. You can't do that. Well, yeah, I can do that, and I'm going to do that. And you know what I found out is that people love it. I don't know why. Okay, I can't explain that. It's not my job to figure out why people like it. Okay? And there's a lot of people who don't like it. And there's a lot of people who don't get what's going on. You know, they go, what is this crap? You know, it's just repeating for two hours. It's like... Dude, like just because you don't get what's going on here doesn't mean that there's not other people who do get it. And there are other people who have a use for this kind of thing, you know, like don't limit everybody's tastes to yours. Okay, if you don't get it and you don't understand it, then don't listen to it. And that's fine. I don't mind. Go listen to, you know something else okay but i have found over the course of well let's say since 2014 so seven years about seven years of this idea of you know making honest wave music being in the guinness book of world records you know all that kind of stuff i've gleaned from that a lot of experience okay gotten a lot of comments. I've gotten a lot of positive and negative. I've gotten uh, a lot of attention um, internationally, uh, which didn't come right away. You know, at the beginning of this whole Guinness Book of World Records thing, you know, basically it was like the day that I made two hour yes, I asked my wife because we were listening to it and talking. You know, I asked her I wonder what the longest song in the world is, you know? So we looked it up, and at the time, uh, the longest song in the world, I think, was like an hour and 20 minutes long or something like that. And I looked at her, and she looked at me, and I'm like, is it possible that I've already broken the record? That's weird. And we checked, and sure enough, when I submitted my song to the Guinness Book of World Records, we broke the record, okay? Now, that's my point, though, is that, like, you have to understand, I never intended to break the world record. That wasn't like a goal I had or a dream I had or something. I just happened to do it by being weird. You know, like, what would have happened if I would not have finished that idea I had that one Saturday morning to take a section of music and loop it and then post it online? Like, if I had not have seen that idea all the way through, then none of that Guinness stuff would have ever... None of it would have happened. I mean, there would I would have stopped and went on to something else and forgotten about it, probably. 
you know? So like, that's my point. That was my original point anyway, about when you have an idea, what you should do is like finish the idea, like, like let it play out all the way to the end of your original conceptual idea. And then decide if it's worth anything or if it has value of any kind. You know, don't stop prematurely. Don't talk yourself out of it. Like, just you come up with an idea, let it go all the way to the end, then make your choice, not in the beginning when it's halfway finished. And I didn't do that with the two hour yes thing. So that wound up, that that experiment, that one day, that Saturday, that I saw all the way to the end, and then I posted it online that same day, that eventually led to all this Honest Wave stuff, and all of the Guinness Book of World Records. I broke the Guinness World Record three times, okay? And admittingly, okay, by the time I got to the rise and fall of Bossa Nova, like I didn't care at that point because I had I had already been uh, a Guinness World Record holder for like a couple of years or a few years, so like I didn't care what anybody said at all or what people thought, like whether they got it or not. Like I didn't care. Like I got it, and like a handful of other people did, and I would be doing this for them, you know, this idea, and of course for myself too, because it's a lot of fun to have something like the Guinness Book or World Records, you know, record. You know, that's that's really cool to do. It is. I, I won't lie. It's not all that you probably think it is. It's not even near what you think it is. And it took a very, very long time for uh, my Guinness World Record thing to really catch on. It took about six or seven years for it to really start to make a wave internationally and I started to get attention and stuff like that but it, it, it was like forever you know I remember like around year seven or something I said to my wife like right now the rise and fall of Bossa Nova is doing what I thought it would be doing on the first day that I released it like it took a long time for people to catch on but it's I'm, I'm grateful they did catch on and uh, you know the honest wave thing like in my studio in my laboratory okay has evolved and kind of changed a little you know I've refined the idea a lot you know I'm intuitive and I'm intelligent and I can uh, rethink things and I'm creative I can come up with things and I did you know, I, I, I didn't stop uh, refining my idea, you know, back when I broke the world record for the first time. I, I continued with growth and thinking it through. And what if I did this? And, oh, man, I should never do this again. That was a huge mistake. Or what a dumb idea that was. Or, you know, whatever. You know, like you work it out. I, I work it out. I worked it out. It took me a long time. And I'm still going. You know, I would imagine that the state or the form that is Honest Wave right now, like at this time, will be different five years from now. Like I'll be on to some other kind of thing, you know. And, uh, you know, since I had broken the world record and everything and I've been releasing a lot of Honest Wave music, I've had the opportunity to work with doctors. <laughs> I'm not I'm not kidding. Um, I've actually worked with doctors, collaborated uh, with um, like pain management experiments, um, sleep therapy, uh, children with Asperger's. You know, like this music I'm making is doing something for some people, like in their brain, that normal, regular music can't do or doesn't do. All right. There's something about what I'm doing, okay, and the way I do it, the way that it sounds, that is affecting people, like, in a clinical setting or in a classroom setting, okay? That's actually happened a lot, a lot. So while I get some people that have no grasp or 
you know, they don't understand what I'm doing, including people in my family even. They don't get it. They just don't get it, okay? But I don't care, you know? Like, I don't care if anybody gets it. Like, I don't care. I'm an artist. This is what I do. I make things whether people care or not, you know? I make things for no reason or seemingly no reason. In this case, with Honest Wave, I make things that do have a purpose for a lot of people. It's not top 40 radio, okay? I'm not making smash hits, you know? Um, If you want that, you know, that's what Pipe Choir is for. That's what PC1 is for. For PC3, you know, and this Honest Wave thing, it's a whole separate thing, you know? And it was never about fame and fortune. It was never about breaking the Guinness World Record. It was never about any of that stuff. Okay. All it was was an idea that I had. And I saw it all the way through to the end. And it has grown and blossomed into this thing that it has become right now. Okay. So I suppose I probably don't really need to explain too much more. I probably, though, in the future, will do some kind of official, you know, video or some kind of something, you know, uh, so that uh, people will have something to watch. You know, if you want to watch my explanation of this crazy, outrageous music that I'm making and its purpose, you know, they'll have something to put their finger on you know, and press play and they'll be able to understand what's going on here. You know, this is not some vanity exercise. It's not some kind of bullshit, like, you know, fame and fortune thing. It's, it's truly something that is fun and experimental and scientific and it's mine. It is mine. You know, I'm doing it by myself and it's so much fun. It is so much fun and it is such a pleasure to have people like it you know um you know just recently had a fan of mine telling me they wanted my honest wave experiment number 33 my latest honest wave big daddy you know the big one 33 hours you know um i had to put it up on spotify and um, I didn't care about it very much, okay? It was something that I did. It was a, a fun thing to do. It was a lot, a lot of work, but that's okay. I like that sometimes. But um, I wasn't really, like, wanting to push it too much. I wanted it to exist, and I wanted people to use it. I wanted the people who use Honest Wave music to hear it, like it, and use it. I didn't give a shit about anybody else or anything else. I didn't want to submit it to the Guinness Book of World Records. I didn't want that. I wanted it to just be there, to be there, right? And um, that's what I did. And I just recently, uh, you know, per the request of a fan, you know, or a couple fans, I guess, of Honest Wave, um, they wanted it on YouTube. So I did that for them. I didn't do it for me. I did it for them. Somebody wanted to hear it there. Somebody needed it there. So I put it up. It's there. And um, it's there for people to enjoy. And it's the most refined idea uh, as far as Honest Wave is concerned. It's like it's uh, of all the Honest Wave songs and ideas that I've had. Honest Wave experiment number 33 is pointing more in the direction of where it's going than any other music that I've made. All right. Like that's the most current state of this honest wave thing. Okay. Which is an official genre. Now it's being recognized all over the world. Okay. So honest wave is a genre that I started Okay, and I didn't start it because I wanted to be famous and I didn't start it because I wanted to be haughty and a rock star. Okay, and I didn't start it because I wanted to make money because God knows that that's never been the motivation for any of this stuff. I'm just weird. Okay, I'm naturally weird. It's a gift I have, you know, 
and I can capitalize on my weirdness, you know, thank God, uh, literally thank God, you know, um, I managed to do something, you know, that was of value and interest to people, you know, um, and that's how I see it. So, um, for all you people who, you know, go to the rise and fall of Bossa Nova and you make the comments, like you don't know what this is. Okay. Well, you know what? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't care if you get it. I don't care. There are enough people who love it. Okay. And as far as I know, at this point, you know, I might be the only source <laughs> for this kind of music for people. So they're coming to me. I, I don't need everybody. I, I only need some of the people. You know, I only need a small audience. I don't need to be famous or something. I, that doesn't appeal to me. I had a taste of that. Trust me. It's not anything that I want. Okay. I've been spared it. And I still managed to do something that's kind of weird and kind of cool. And I call it Honest Wave. And I make pipe choir songs from time to time, too. So I'm proud of that. 22 songs for a pipe choir. 22 brand new songs. Well, okay, that's not true. They weren't brand new. Most of them are brand new. Some of them were redos, but they were all from the bottom up, you know, rebuilt and redone. So 22 new pieces of music in about a year and eight months. It's pretty good. You know, I'm pretty proud of that, that that project is done. And I'm also proud that in the same week I posted Honest Wave Experiment number 33 on YouTube. That was like a lot of work to do. And uh, it's done. I'm happy. You know, I'm resting right now and I'm getting ready. Really, I'm preparing myself in all sorts of ways as far as equipment and just my mentality, cleaning up my studio, resetting everything because now after you know about a year and a half of making pipe choir music exclusively, uh, I'm ready to start working on new PC3 music now. And that's what you're going to be hearing from me before too long. I won't promise any kind of timeline or anything. I would probably, if you're a fan of what I'm doing and you're, you know, checking my stuff out on a regular basis, um, I would imagine there will be a lot of other things coming out between like today, right now, and the time I start to release new PC3 music. I have a lot of ideas for PC3 that are like unfinished. They're about halfway done, like they're ready to go the rest of the way. Um, and so if you are a fan of PC3 and you are a fan of like the Honest Wave thing, uh, the next, I would imagine anyway, the next couple years will be really fun for you because I'm going to have a lot of stuff coming out and um, before too long. And in, in between then, I'll keep you you know posted with podcasts and, you know, drum videos or whatever the kind of stuff I do to kind of like keep feeding the machine, you know, but, um, uh, eventually you're going to get some new PC three music. So hold tight, you know, stay tuned. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess that's all I wanted to say today. Um, I'll be putting out another podcast before too long. I'm quite sure. So my happy innovators, one and all, I love you all one and all. Uh, thank you all for your support. Thank you all for checking out the Pipe Choir music over the past year and a half. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I hope that you liked a lot of it. And I think some songs are better than others, but hey, that's all right. As long as the work got done and it was delivered, right? You got a chance to hear it. That's what this is all about, is just having people listen to my stuff and enjoy it. So my happy innovators with that if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy, y'all. Have a good weekend. Peace out.
Okay, all you happy innovators out there who were kind enough and, you know, generous enough with your time to stay uh, after, you know, when the podcast is over for some music. And what I decided to share with you today is a song that I released. It was, I actually talked about it in the podcast just a little bit ago. Um, I'm going to share with you a song called The Water of Fire or Singing to the Sea. It had two titles. Um, and this was really, if it wasn't the first real kind of experiment with a long song that wasn't five minutes or three minutes, it was like eight minutes or ten minutes or something. I forget what it is now. Um, you'll find out in a couple minutes because you'll be listening to it. Um, but it was like really my first experiment, my first kind of like, I'm going to do this today. You know, I'm going to try to make a song that's you know really long. You know, eight minutes or something. Like, oh, man, that's long, you know. And uh, so I did. And that's what you got here coming up. So I know that I had released The Water of Fire or Singing to the Sea on one of my Ad Astra albums. Unfortunately, I don't remember offhand which album it was on. I think it might have been on two, Ad Astra 2, PC3. Um, I don't know. I guess it doesn't matter in the end, really. Just check it out here. You know, enjoy. Peace out, everybody. Um, Have a great, great weekend. See ya.
Almost completely free of errors.